Hey, what's going on? It's Sybil from The Possibility of Today. Thanks so much for dropping by and tuning in. This show's all about the events that are happening all around us, whether it's the events in the news or even the events in our own life. We get into all of it because we are trying to make certain we are living today better than yesterday. So I hope you will stick around. You are listening to The Possibility Today on webtalkradio.net. All right. So on today's show, we are going to talk about several topics, all of which are focused on taking advantage of the possibility of today and, of course, making the most of our days, learning, figuring out what's working, of course, figuring out what's not. And we do all of this because, you know, we're in the business of trying to get better and better at this whole living thing. And like we always do, we'll start with the hot questions of the week. And thank you guys so much, uh, everybody who sent them in. They're really, really good. And you guys are so great for always sending them in. So please, please keep sending them in. And it's easy if you haven't done it yet. All you've got to do is go to iTunes, uh, search for Possibility of Today. You can leave your question in the ratings and review section. And if you feel so inclined, I'd love if you could also leave a review. Anyway, I chose some of the great questions that came in that I thought would really just be interesting and, and helpful for us all to discuss. So one of the first ones is actually from Kimberly. Thanks, Kimberly, for sending yours in. And she asked how to let go of things that happened in the past, but of course continue to work her up and suck her attention. And I mean, don't we all know how that works, right? I, I have some really good intel on this one for you, Kim. I think you're going to really like it. Let's just say that uh, I've been there and I've done that. And most importantly, I have figured out how to stop doing it. So we will get into that. And then I have another really good question from Deandra. Um, and Deandra says that she's stuck in one of those ruts, the repeating negative patterns, you know, those things that we talk about, the infinite loops, um, where you just keep doing the same things that aren't working. And Deandra wants out. So Deandra, I have got some answers for you um, about your best next steps. Let's call it your exit route, the quickest and most direct way out of an infinite loop. Incidentally, Breaking out of these infinite loops is the number one question that I get. So I think everyone is going to be interested in that because there is an approach and a direct way out. And then finally, the last hot question we're going to take is another really good one. This one came in from Jen. And Jen was just wondering how to change her ways so she can stop feeling like she's always in a frenzy as she moves through the day always getting sucked into work or, of course, doing all the things that she's got to do for her family. And, I mean, let's be real, that can feel overwhelming. And Jen is looking for an approach, and I think I've got one, Jen, that will work for you. Let's just say I have two kids and a full-time job, so very aware 
of how that feels when you just kind of feel like the day has gotten away from you. So we will get into all of those questions. But first, let's get into a really interesting insight and piece of research. Okay, so everyone wants to live the life they've imagined, right? And feel really good while they're living it. We all want to be happy. That, of course, isn't any news, is it? And the assumption, right, is that there are things we can do that are going to lead to us reaching this happiness, right, to finally feeling happy. I mean, and a lot of times we're all thinking the same things. We're thinking if we can have the right people in our life, the right relationships, the right job, if we can feel good, if we can accomplish things that are important to us, reach financial goals or maybe some other goals that we have. You know, the logical assumption is that we're going to be happy if we have all those things. And essentially, we know or we believe if we can find our way to getting those things, to living what we've defined as this successful life, then happiness is what comes next. And I think this is something that we buy into, right? Because we've heard it so many times. It's almost been like drilled into our head on why we have to, you know, go for these things and accomplish these things and try to make certain that we're as successful as we can be. So it's, it's understandable that it's a, a common belief, right? But let me tell you what's really interesting. There's this really compelling research coming out of the University of California, and it totally changes this assumption. It like blows it out of the park because according to this research, even though we think that success is what makes people happy, it's actually in reverse order, meaning that happiness is actually leading to success because people are having like positive emotions when they're happy. And essentially these emotions get things like moving in the right direction. And then people are obviously more likely to accomplish these things that they want for their life. So according to this research, it found that being happy is actually a prerequisite to getting all these things that we want, that we've assumed are going to contribute to our happiness. So what that means is actually finding our way to being happy needs to come first. Even though a lot of people think it's otherwise, right? I mean, quite honestly, myself included for a long, long time. And so many other people are chasing this idea of happiness, right? Thinking, okay, it's going to come when they finally get one thing or another, or they find that perfect man, the perfect relationship, or they finally get all the money and they're no longer having financial issues. They finally have financial security or some other goal or something else that they really think is like the perfect solution to their life, and once they get that, voila, they're happy. <laughs> but 
the reality is that the first thing that needs to be accomplished is happiness. You got to get to that first. And this research confirms that that's exactly the case. Dr. Libermiski, who led this research, explained that essentially we're reaching the wrong conclusion when we assume that certain things are going to make us happy because it's actually not the case. Take a listen to what she shared during an interview. I think that, oh, I'll be happier when, you know, I achieve more positive circumstances in my life, when I get a new job or when I get a boyfriend, when I have a baby. Um, but the truth is those things don't affect our happiness as much as we think they will. I mean, isn't that interesting? I can just think about all the time I spent on focusing on being successful and getting the things I wanted when, according to this research, my first and very best step really should have been to just focus on being happy. You know, and if I had done that, I could have been exactly where I was and happy and content, still working to get the things I wanted and making it even more likely that I was going to actually accomplish them and achieve those things that were important to me. I mean, I, just looking back now, I mean, I just am like, you've got to be kidding me because I can think of so many instances in my life where I prioritized what I was working to accomplish absolutely over my happiness at the time and how I felt at any given moment. I think the one that sticks out in my mind the most, of course, has to do with my job and my career because I literally can remember thinking to myself, just sacrifice a little bit of your happiness for, you know, just a couple of years. And then after you work really hard, you're going to end up exactly where you want to be. And then you can be happy. And I remember thinking, you know, it's okay. Even if right now I'm not completely happy at work with all the things I'm doing, you know, don't, don't worry about that. You know, I was convinced that I didn't have to necessarily be happy at work or I didn't have to be happy at work all the time because I could find happiness in other places. And if I had those times or those days at work where I just felt so, so, so be it. But, you know, when I came across this research and even honestly, before coming across it, because you look back and you always are like, you know, how did I miss that one? But I realized how wrong I was. And honestly, it wasn't just about me getting to the point where I was going to quit my job. The lesson was that I needed to find a better perspective about my job, about exactly where I was at the time. I needed to kind of figure out how to get my mind right so I could focus on the good things about my job. And I mean, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But the thing is, is I really did have good things about my job. I mean, there were good people that I worked with. There were things that I obviously 
could learn every day and skills that would really help me, you know, create the things that I wanted to create in the future. I was getting paid. I had a paycheck. <laughs> I mean, so there were obviously things that were good about my job, but instead of focusing on those, you know, I fell into the trap. Like I'm sure you probably are familiar with, or maybe let's say, you know, other people who have, um, you know, of focusing on the wrong things. And those were the things that would absolutely drive me nuts. And, you know, I can even remember sitting around at times with my coworkers because we all had fallen into this trap and you're just, you know, you commiserate over all the things that you just can't stand and everything that's just not the way that it should be. And I mean, of course, you're not going to be happy when that is the focus of your day, when that's the, you know, talk that's going on at the water cooler. But if you can find your way to focusing on the right things and finding a better perspective, then there's no reason to accept not being happy. Even if you know that there are things about your job, you know, <laughs> that you would rather change or just things that could be better. And as an aside and proof actually of this exact truth, I actually, when I was working, was able to find a way to do that, to find a better perspective. And it changed everything about how I experienced my job. And you want to know how I, how I did it? I challenged myself to stop complaining for 40 days. And because I was applying this challenge to all of the areas of my life, work was an area that fell within one of the things that I'm like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not going to complain about my job. And that meant that I had to push myself to see things differently and to focus on the things about my job that I knew were beneficial. And guess what happened? I finally started seeing my job in a different light. You know, I became happy at work. It wasn't about the stress. It wasn't about all the emails. It wasn't about the fact that my red light was always on on my phone with about 20 voicemail messages. You know, it wasn't me always focusing on the things that irritated me. And because I had removed complaining from my mindset and even from what I was verbalizing, you know, I essentially became happy at work. I was focused on the right things. And then, of course, ultimately I ended up leaving my job uh, because I wanted to go and create the possibility of today. But I know, without a doubt, one of the major things that set me up to be able to create the possibility today, to be able to move on from my job, was that I fixed that whole complaining thing. Like I got rid of that habit. I got rid of all of the negativity and all of the stuff that was weighing me down and really blocking my ability to even see other opportunities because I was wasting all of, or at least the majority of my mental space focused on negative things.
But I found my way because I stopped complaining to be happy exactly where I was at my company, regardless of whatever was happening around me that I, you know, thought I didn't like or that I just wanted something different or to change. I was able to, despite whatever was happening around me, realize that it was in my control the way I experienced the day and that I could control my own happiness no matter what was happening at work. And that was a huge takeaway lesson for me. And of course, it falls right in line with what came out of this research. I can say without a doubt that one of the best lessons I've learned in, in my life is that you have got to always find a way right now to be happy exactly where you are with exactly what you have at this moment. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to aim for more things in the future or that you don't have goals or they're not things that you're working toward. But in order to get to all of those other things that you want for your life, like the perfect relationship, the career you dreamed of, your goals, whatever else it may be, you got to be happy right here, right now. You can't be miserable. It like doesn't create the right type of momentum, clearly not the right type of positive emotions. It doesn't allow you to do all that you can in this moment to get to where you ultimately want to be. And specifically going back to this research, like we were talking about earlier, successful outcomes were found to be positively related to all the things we want to accomplish for our life. So, for example, think about getting a job. Guess what? Happy people are more likely to secure job interviews. That's right. If you are looking for a job, go ahead and get happy <laughs> because you are way more likely to get a job interview if you have the right type of emotions, if you're happy, if you're optimistic, that is going to make it 10 times more likely that you're going to actually get the job interview. And this research went on to confirm a lot of these correlations. For example, you know, people who are happy are evaluated more positively by their supervisors. They also show superior performance and productivity. And people just believe because they're happier that they're able to handle managerial positions better. So this research just confirmed a lot of things. The huge takeaway, of course, being that happiness leads to successful outcomes. Take a listen to another thing Dr. Libor Miski confirmed during an interview about the research. How happy people are just more likely to have happier relationships all around them. 
You find a group of people who are really happy, who are really sort of successful at being happy, and you, you want to find out what is their secret, what is it that they're doing. And actually, this is something that I uh, started my career studying. Um, and so research shows that happy people are really good at relationships. Um, they, if you look at the happiest people, they all have really stable, fulfilling relationships, partnerships, uh, friends, even with their pets, they have good relations. And the reason happy people have better positive relationships is because they're frequently in positive moods, right? They have better mindsets, they have more peace of mind, and that essentially works in their best interests. I mean, people want to be around them. Think about it. You know, the happy people you know, you want to be around them. And the people that are just miserable and complaining, like they're like an energy drain. People want to spend time with happy people and feed off of their happiness. So it's no wonder that once you're happy, you attract these relationships to you. And it just really furthers the point that, you know, not only does being happy work if you're looking for a job or if you want more success with your career, your profession, or all the other things this research confirmed, but it also matters if you're looking for a relationship. Because guess what? Don't be miserable because you're alone. You know, don't get caught up in that rut like, oh, I'm never going to find someone and woe is me. You've got to find a way to get happy being alone and understand that there's value to having time to yourself and let that help elevate your happiness naturally. And then you're going to attract the relationship you're looking for. And I get it, right? It's easy to fall into the trap of chasing a relationship or anything else we want and think once we reach it, once we finally accomplish it, we're going to feel a certain way. We're going to have that happiness we've always been looking for. Trust me, I get it. Been there, done that. But the reality is, is we've got it flip-flopped. It's the other way around. And I know I focus so much of my time and energy chasing so many of those things. But the best thing that I could have been chasing was my happiness and finding a way to find that peace of mind and be content and enjoy and appreciate exactly where I was. I mean, of course, looking back, it seems so simple now, but somehow I missed it. And you live and you learn, right? But now I know, without a doubt, being happy is a prerequisite for all of these other things. And the more time that we can spend happy, the more happy moments, the more positive emotions that you just have naturally running through your system, the more you increase your chances for getting the things you really want for your life. Think about all those people, right? And I'm sure you know some of them um, who essentially have signed up to be miserable because they don't like something about their life. You know, they say something's off, something's missing, something is causing them to be miserable and not until they find it or accomplish it are, could they ever be happy. I need a relationship before I can be happy. I need money before I can be happy. 
I need to get to this or to that or anywhere. I mean, I'm sure you've run into these, these people. And the reality is, is the logic is all off, right? Because we only make it more challenging and even more unlikely that we're going to have all these things we want for our life if we're also signing up at the same time to accept being miserable because what is or what's not happening. I mean, it, another example is to just think about those people that you run into who are just the majority of the time upset about one thing or another, complaining, thinking about all the people who've irritated them, you know, telling you all those stories and they just get all riled up and angry, even telling you the stories. Honestly, when I was going through my complaining thing, I was one of those complainers. And again, if you fall into this trap, and I can tell you from personal experience, you are making it more challenging and even more unlikely that you're going to actually get to where you want to be. And that's why happiness is so important. And this research shows it. I mean, and there's really no doubting it. Our happiness is going to determine how we experience everything. And so we've got to prioritize our mindset, right? We've got to prioritize it over anything and everything that's happening around us, no matter who's trying to push our buttons, no matter who is telling us what we did wrong or just things that normally make us want to lose our peace of mind. We have got to prioritize our happiness and the things we want. And there literally are things we can do or make sure we don't do that are going to guard our happiness, if you will. And this research explained it again, and so did Dr. Liebermiski, that we can be intentional and increase our happiness. Listen to what she says in this clip about the ability we all have to control the things that we do and think, and that in turn will increase our happiness. The intentional activities that we can choose to engage in, the things that we do and think every day of our lives. By those things, we can increase or decrease our happiness. And that is what I just find so promising is that there are literally things, there are intentional things that we can do and just know that if we do them, we're going to increase our happiness. Like it's within our control. And I think one of the things that you know, if we can just get control of this, if we can just figure out how to not let the things that other people do bother us, I think that alone will just get us so far when it comes to increasing our happiness. Because let's be real, <laughs> that's a huge barrier, right? Like inevitably, I don't care who you are or where you work or where you've been, you have run into those people who will just push your buttons. And figuring out how to not allow other people's bad behavior to interfere or to, you know, just taint your own peace of mind is definitely a tool that we all want to have. And there's actually this great quote by Emerson, and it explains, for every minute that you remain angry, 
you give up 60 seconds of happiness. I mean, think about that. Isn't it so true? Because it's literally impossible, right? To be angry or annoyed at someone and be happy at the same time. Because when you're angry, all of your tension, all of your energy is being directed to that anger. You know, when you have the reruns that go through your mind of what the person did and you just get caught up in that loop and you're like, why did they do that? You know, what nerve? I, I can't believe how rude they are. Does any of that sound familiar? <laughs> I know that I used to forever have those kind of things running through my mind. But since we know that happiness is the key, right? The prerequisite to so many of the other things we want in our life, one of the best things we can do is figure out how to preserve our happiness. How can we always have a great peace of mind despite what other people, I call them challenging and difficult people sometimes, <laughs> but despite what they're doing. And I'm gonna give you one good strategy uh, because this is something that I used and something that I practiced and it allowed me to no longer be bothered by other people's behavior. And it's something that you can start using today. And remember, it's all about the possibility of today and doing things today that are going to allow you to live better today than you did yesterday. And I use this tool every single time someone did something that I felt was inappropriate or rude or that angered me or that got under my skin and I just kept practicing it. And eventually it became a habit. So I can't even tell you, and I'm, I'm really not even exaggerating. I can't tell you the last time someone did something that even for one second got my blood boiling. And I'm, you know, it's not like people aren't doing things. It's not like I'm not interacting, you know, with challenging or difficult people. It's just that I don't remember because I never got worked up. I never let anyone interfere with my peace of mind. So what's the secret? <laughs> it's so simple. You're not going to believe it. I don't take things that other people do personally. Even if what they're doing feels and seems like it's directed right at me. For example, I'm sure as many of you know, I have this online magazine, right? And I've been offering this free quiz um, and it's something that people can do and that allows them to figure out, you know, are there things that they're doing that are working against them? Are there things that are blocking their possibilities? And after you answer all of these questions on the quiz, based on your answers, you get detailed results, right? So to make a long story short, this quiz is run through a quiz company, meaning I don't have the infrastructure to get the emails and manage the responses. So I created the quiz, gave it to this quiz company, and they are basically administering it for me. Well, I get an email from someone who's trying to take the quiz and she is livid i mean caps exclamation marks totally upset in the email and she tells me that she feels like she's been taken advantage of 
and that this quiz is a hoax and it doesn't really exist. And she goes on and on in this message. Now, if I were to take things personally, and probably in the past I may have before I started uh, mastering this, this habit, I could have honestly been a little annoyed. You know, I'm getting this rude email accusing me that I'm part of a hoax, some wild outlandish quiz scheme, because, you know, people just sit around creating quiz schemes. <laughs> but you know what? That thought didn't even cross my mind when I got her message. Because immediately, my mind went to, there's nothing to take personally here. You know, I didn't even get worked up for one second. Because I know there's clearly something going on behind the scenes, right? She's directing her anger and her frustration at me. And I'm sure she's annoyed, which I can understand, you know, when you're having technical issues and something's not working. So she's annoyed. She can't do the quiz. And as hard as it may be to believe, I know without a doubt that people don't behave badly for no reason. And because I've developed this habit of not taking anyone else's bad behavior personally, not even for one second does my mind go to how could she do that or who does she think she is. I just address the situation the best I can. I, you know, I tried to give her assurance. This is not a hoax. I am a real person behind the quiz. No one is trying to trick you. <laughs> I sent her the link again. I apologize for the technical difficulty she ran into. I even offered to help her personally if she wanted to send her results to me and I could take a look at them and tell her what category she fell into. Now, some people are going to say, you know, hey, you shouldn't let other people treat you badly. And I get that. And I agree. I think you have to be very thoughtful about the people that you let into your space and you spend time with and you don't have to sign up to be treated badly over and over again. But let's be real. It's not like I asked her to go hang out or go to dinner. I just diffused the situation and moved on. Because what's the point of arguing with someone over a free quiz? And I know, right? Like, I'm just all about protecting my peace of mind. And I know there's nothing that's more important than it. And that means that I prioritize my peace of mind and my happiness and maintaining my happiness equilibrium, if you will, over anything and everything that happens. And I know too, you know, when I step back and look at the situation, that she's got a story. And I bet you if I could get a glimpse into her life, there would be something that happened. I would find things that happened to her in the past that make her feel like she has to have her, you know, her guard up and make, makes her suspicious and skeptical and not trust things. And that's not to say that it's an excuse, right, for behaving badly. But it is a reason. And it's an explanation. And when you know that there's always an explanation, and there is, it just helps you not to take anything personally. It helps you start getting better and better at developing that habit of not taking things personally and living up to that great quote by Don Miguel Ruiz, 
that I'm sure you guys have always heard. Whatever happens around you, don't take it personally. Nothing other people do is because of you. It is because of themselves. And this is a good quote to keep top of mind, especially when you run into those people that are going to push your buttons. Because it literally is going to free you from other people's drama and bad behavior. I can't tell you, this is so one of the best habits I ever developed because no one, no one gets to my peace of mind, regardless of what they do. And the only thing I did was made a commitment to always protect my peace of mind and my happiness over anything and everything happening around me. And like we were talking about, a major reason for doing this is because you've got things you want to do. You have things that are really important to you that you want for your life. And they're directly tied to your happiness. I mean, just a reminder again of that research, because I want to make sure you have all of the incentive in the world that you need to in order to commit to developing this habit and not taking other people's bad behavior personally. So again, the research concluded that there is strong support that happiness and positive emotions lead to successful outcomes. Happy individuals are more likely than their last happy peers to have fulfilling marriages, relationships, high incomes, superior work performance, and even living longer. Seriously, the next time someone even tries to push your buttons, remind yourself of this research and know that you don't want anything or anyone getting in the way of the things you want for your life. So you just refuse to allow them to interfere with your happiness and your peace of mind. And the reality is you do have to work at protecting it. And you do have to make a commitment to do things differently. Like Dr. Lee said, it's got to be intentional and it's not something that's just going to automatically happen. You know, we've got to commit, like this research said, and like Dr. Lee said, we've got to commit to doing things differently. Take a, another listen to another clip that she shared about the need to really make this commitment. You think about anything worthwhile to attain in life, whether it's to lose weight or to advance in your career, um, to learn a new skill, takes a lot of effort and work and commitment, you know, maybe everyday kind of effort. And I think happiness, our emotional lives, uh, is not an exception. I mean, and I think it's such a great point, right, that she makes, because it is something that you're going to have to probably work at every single day. I know it's something I work at continually and consistently. But in the long run, you're just so much better off to let these things go. You know, if someone's rude to you, oh, well, refuse to let them affect your peace of mind. Your boss driving you crazy at work, ignore it. Remind yourself there's nothing that's more important than your happiness at this moment and your peace of mind. Actually, speaking of bosses, because I know this is a common issue, <laughs> let's talk about a situation that we're all probably familiar with. I think this is a good one to really put this, you know, not taking things personally to the test and see how it plays out. 
So I'm sure you're all probably familiar or you know somebody who's had the boss from hell, right? If you've worked in a business environment, chances are that you either personally had a boss from hell or you know a boss from hell, you've seen one in action. I mean, it's those people that literally do things that are just irrational, unnecessary, and sometimes just flat out rude and inappropriate. There's actually this um, interesting article in Harvard Business Review that talks about this specific issue and the lack of respect sometimes that you're finding in the workplace, uh, particularly between managers and the people that report to them. This article actually told the story of an employee. His name is Matt. And Matt reported to Larry, his supervisor. And Larry definitely falls into that definition of the boss from hell, right? He's totally volatile, a bully. You know, he's continually insulting his direct reports, belittling their efforts, blaming them for everything, you know, things that are beyond their control, things that he was supposed to take care of. But of course it doesn't stop there, right? Because like any bad manager from hell, <laughs> Larry's also rude to other people, including customers. And so in this article, they tell this story of a time when Larry and Matt, his direct report, they go to one of their client's stores. And Larry, the supervisor, tells the owner of the store, who, mind you, is his client, that he sees that he's carrying on his father's tradition and that the store looks just as awful today as it looked when it was in his father's hands. <laughs> Who says that? And I'm sure many of you have your own terrible boss stories. But this is the deal, right? Yes, these types of bosses just have a way of getting under your skin, don't they? And of course, Matt, who reported to Larry and saw this instance on top of all of the other things that he has witnessed and experienced himself, had a real terrible reaction to this. And he goes to HR and, you know, finally gets up the courage and is like, you know what, Larry is literally losing it. You know, he's yelling at all of us on his team. He's now directing his anger to the client. So HR reacts, you know, they call in Larry for the meeting with Matt. Larry apologizes. You know, they go through everything that they're supposed to. Um, you know, Larry says that when it came to that conversation with the client, he used an atomic bomb where he actually should have used a fly swatter, which clearly shows he doesn't get it. And for the record, people who have continual and consistent bad behavior usually don't get it, which is yet another reason to not waste your time and let them interfere with your peace of mind because they're not going to really get it anyway. But anyway, so Larry gets the slap on the wrist from HR. And weeks later, guess what happens? Larry, the boss from hell, who's treating his direct reports badly and telling clients that their business looks awful, insulting clients' fathers. Larry was named District Manager of the Year. And guess what unfortunately happened to Matt three days after? <laughs> 
because he's so irritated, right? When he finds this out and he gets all worked up. He ended up having a heart attack. And that is exactly why you can't let, even for one little second, other people interfere with your own peace of mind. And I get it that this is an extreme story, but it just drives the point home because in the grand scheme of things, it's just not worth it. And the reality is you can't control other people's bad behavior anyway. People are gonna be rude. They're gonna do inappropriate things, but guess what? Since you can't control them, you need to go with what you can control and that's how you respond and how you choose to either let it bother you or to choose to protect and prioritize your peace of mind, your happiness, all of the things that you want over whatever is happening around you. Because one thing that I have learned is that it matters how much you feel every single moment of the day. It's gonna impact not only how you feel at the moment when something's happening, but it's also gonna impact your future moments. Like our moments are tied together. And like the research confirmed, our success is then tied to the happiness that we experience in those moments. So it's gonna impact what you accomplish in the future. It obviously affects your mindset and just about everything else. And so that means, again, when it comes down to it, protecting how you feel every single moment of the day and guarding what you allow to intrude on your happy space is imperative. And it takes practice, continual practice. But after a while, learning how to not let other people's bad behavior affect you gets easier. And the beauty is, is that you're going to have lots of opportunities all around you because people are going to inevitably do something to practice, right? So you can practice not taking things personally when you do run into those challenging people or those people that are trying to literally push your buttons. So that is the moral of the story, right? Happiness matters. We're going to prioritize it over everything starting today. We are no longer going to take things personally. And now we are going to get into the hot questions that you guys were so great for sending in. I think we have some really good ones that you're going to want to stick around in and hear. So I hope you will do just that. You are listening to The Possibility of Today on webtalkradio.net. Okay, so let's get into the hot questions. The first one, as we were talking about earlier, is from Kimberly. And she is asking how to let go of things that happened in the past that continue to work her up and suck her attention. And I call these things the reruns, right? Because I know I had personally had so much experience in the past with things that didn't work out the way that I had wanted, didn't happen as I had planned, or 
people had done things that I felt, you know, needed forgiving. And so inevitably there was a lot of emotion around the situation and, you know, I would be continually having thoughts of what happened in the past, flashbacks, reruns. And when I would have these reruns, you know, you get worked up all over again. It's like you're right back to where you were. And that is what I think is the key. The first thing, Kimberly, that you've got to do is understand what your mind is doing. And so I would literally just observe it. And I, you know, I'd be like, there it goes again. It's trying to focus on something that has already happened, that there's not anything right now that I can do about something that happened three months ago or even worse, two years ago. And so I have got to just observe what my mind is doing and not allow it to take me there. And the way that I would do that is not getting the emotions, not feeding the memory and the past experience that would just kind of come into my head, like there'd be a trigger or something and then boom, you know, I would have a flashback. So I would just see it happening and kind of let it rise to the surface, but I wouldn't feed it. I would be like, you know, it's not where I'd be like, oh, I can't believe he did this and he did that. And, you know, where you're really getting all emotionally worked up again, because the reality is, is that you can start churning things and work them up again. But if you just kind of observe the thought that's happening from the past thing that you want to let go of and let it just rise to the surface and really try to just turn your attention to whatever is currently in front of you, which is all that you really can control and where you want your attention to be anyway, it makes it a lot easier, a lot easier to let go of things that have happened in the past that are continually trying to suck you in. And what else can help is honestly what we were talking about earlier. And that is just not taking people's behavior, bad behavior, things that have happened to you personally. And if you can find your way to forgiveness for whatever happened in the past that keeps kind of coming at you. And again, forgiveness, it's a, you know, another topic for another day, but again, something that we have to, to work at continually and really stay committed to trying to forgive someone. What I've noticed though, is that also helps release that emotional charge from the memory. And so then it almost either it, the flashbacks happen rarely, if ever, or when they do happen, it's just, there's like no emotional attachment because you've basically forgiven someone, so it just floats to the surface and it evaporates. So Kimberly, that's what I would recommend to you. Really just kind of observe you know, your mind and don't let it suck you in emotionally. It's not that you're gonna be able to kind of push down the thought and pretend like it's not there because that just kind of irritates it. Um, it's like swinging at a bee. <laughs> uh, but if you can just not charge it, it will, uh, it will just evaporate. And the next question we have is, oh, infinite loops. Oh my goodness. We all know this. This is, again, like I was saying, the number one question. And this infinite loop question is coming from Deandra. And she's talking about feeling like she's stuck in her job and 
she doesn't know what to do. She's not happy there, but she feels like she has to stay there. So she feels like she's in a loop there. She also um, lives and is having a challenge selling her house. And she feels like that's another infinite loop and it's creating a lot of negative energy for her and she just can't break free from that. And then she also feels like she's in another infinite loop uh, in terms of relationships and continually dating the wrong person. Deandra, it's okay. We all are susceptible to infinite loops. So I, even if you are caught in all three of these, there's always a way out. And I don't know if you heard last week's show, but we really went into detail about infinite loops and how you can break out of them. And I had come across this research that actually confirmed this three-step process. Um, and it was by this Harvard professor. Uh, and most of the time when people are caught in infinite loops or these negative cycles, they blame outside circumstances, right? So, and that's the only way they, that's the only place they go to. So for example, Deandra, you can't sell your house and you feel like you've been trying to sell it and it's frustrating and you just feel like it's sucking you in and you feel like you're in an infinite loop. Normally what people would do would blame, only blame external circumstances and only try to control things, you know, on the outside. So it's, oh, the economy is bad. My house won't sell. Oh, I'm in a bad neighborhood. Oh, my price is wrong. And I, you know, I have the second mortgage, so I can't reprice it. Oh, whatever it is externally, my realtor isn't doing what they should. And then they stop there. And although there usually are things that have to be adjusted externally, you know, and you do have to be uh, understanding of the conditions that are happening around you with the economy and all of that, this research and what my approach is, is to understand that you have to also look within yourself from an inner standpoint and figure out, okay, are there things that I need to adjust about assumptions I'm making, you know, am I kind of contributing and feeding these limiting beliefs? And that in essence is keeping me from selling my house because I don't believe it will sell, you know? And so you really kind of do this whole deep dive exploration from a internal standpoint and see if there are things that you can do differently as well. And then you do them. So the three-step approach, Deandra, just to sum up is one, you recognize that you're in this infinite loop. Two, you take inner analysis and look, okay, what can I change on the inside? And then you also, hey, let me look around the outside. Maybe I need to change realtors, da da da, da. So you do you know, a, two, a two-prong approach. And then the third step, obviously, is you got to take action, right? Now that you have the plan and you know what you've got to do, you then start doing those things, whether that means fixing stuff internally, like limiting beliefs, or changing realtors, you, you start following the action plans. And if you do that, you guys, with any infinite loops, you follow those three steps, you will break out of them. You absolutely will break out of infinite loops. And the last question is from Jen. And Jen is asking how to change her ways so that she can stop feeling like she's always in a frenzy as she moves through the day. She's always getting sucked in to work or to her family life and just kind of feels overwhelmed. And Jen, what I can tell you is that I also have a full-time job and also have two children. So I know that it's a lot to kind of juggle uh, all the things that you really want to do and take care of. And obviously, you know, your children are very important to you and your family and you want to make sure you're doing all you can. 
But I also believe that you've got to have a process right so that you can also manage the things, you know, that are important to you that you're trying to do. And so that's why I've developed a system. Um, and essentially my system is that I have a morning routine that I go through every day and I don't skip. And I, you know, the first thing I start off with is I just start reading and like feeding my mind with this inspirational information, just stuff that makes me feel good. And that kind of gets the right energy flowing and makes me less apt to like jump up and feel frenzied and, oh, I have to do all of these things. So I start the day off there, have a nice cup of coffee, go through my morning routine, which usually takes about 30 to 45 minutes, which means I also have to wake up a little earlier than my children, <laughs> but I do that. And then at the end of my morning routine, I, um, I have this thing called the master plan, um, which I work off of. And actually it's part of this course that I, I've just released, um, the seven secret steps to your something more. You can drop by possibilityoftoday.com if you want to find out more about the course um, because it's all built in. This master plan is built in. But essentially, um, my master plan includes the things that not only I have to do for my family, but all of the things that are important to me. And I sit and I prioritize those things. I've broken things down to like the long term and then things that I can do in the next 30 days. And so I've picked the things that I'm going to do for the month of February off of my list. And I know February 1 what I'm going to accomplish for the month. And so I take this plan every morning at the end of my morning routine and I choose, okay, these are the two things or three things that I'm going to do off the list. And it just helps so that nothing falls through the cracks. You know, um, they say organization is like heaven's first law. So I have... Um, really subscribed to that thinking and always tried to make sure I was as organized as possible. And that has just helped immensely. And again, if you want more information about that, because I, I do have a form and a master plan that I think could be really helpful with a daily to-do list, just drop by um, possibilityoftoday.com and you can find more information about the course. So that does it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show and got your questions answered. And if you do have other questions, go to iTunes, click on the rates and the reviews and, and leave your question there. And I will take a look at them and we'll be choosing some more for next week. But I hope you have a great day. Remember, don't take anything that anyone does personally, protect your happiness. And of course, live today better than yesterday. <laughs>